Hello, I'm Anna Ridley and this is the Penguin Podcast. Just in time for New Year's Eve, here's an extract from the audiobook of the novel A Tiny Bit Marvellous by Dawn French, read by the lady herself. Mo. New Year's Day. I vow it every year, but this time I mean it. Everything is going to change radically. Last night was ample evidence that all sentient and valuable life in my home world has evaporated. Who have I become? Who is this? Who is Mo Battle? I am, apparently, a person who goes to a scruffy pub, like the Miller's Arms on New Year's Eve, to meet up with neighbours my community-minded husband has fostered. I have nothing in common with them. I hardly even like them. We meet in order to kill what seems like eons of dull time until the final countdown of doom, heralding the flip into another potentially stagnant year. For God's sake, I spent two whole hours in that pub, separated from the husbands, being forced to listen to the merits of turkey-turning with the wives. Yes, for easily the first three minutes, I was genuinely engaged in the science of it all. Of course, the juices of the bird would move about during the cooking into the fattier parts of the corpse, especially the breast. And yes, I acknowledge that rotating the beast might be advantageous and possibly tastier. Frankly, that was the extent of my interest, but no... There were another 117 minutes of foul cooking minutiae to endure. As Karen blathered on incessantly about basters and thermometers and convection cookers and marinating and stuffing and blah and blah, my mind wandered. But for the sake of neighbourly relations, I skilfully fixed my gaze on her yappy, overactive mouth and kept a convincing stream of responsive listening noises coming. Whilst I was trapped in turkey hell with the heifers of our local, husband was, of course, at the bar with the bullocks, lowing and chewing on their smutty Christmas anecdotes, as if there is anything remotely saucy about Christmas. There isn't. But they managed to make disgusting grunting noises all evening, as if they were at Spearmint Rhino, where discussing women in salacious terms is expected. Husband isn't ordinarily as blokish as this, but when the herd convenes, the rules and codes are strictly adhered to. He assures me that their conversations are nothing of the sort and that they never refer detrimentally to the various wives. Could this be an abandonment issue for me? For some reason, his desire to be in their male gang, separate and away from me, always feels like a betrayal of some sort. I don't really want to be there at all, never mind being left with the girls. I don't have anything against the other wives, per se. It's just that they wouldn't be my choice of friends. They have been thrust upon me because husband regularly drinks with the G-team, as he calls them. He doesn't worry whether or not they are suitable as his friends. They are there, so they will do. How curious. The idea that people you chance upon in a pub become a cohesive, supportive group of compadres, united in the pursuit of a nightly pint of Guinness, hence the G-team. The king of all tipples, according to him, complete with its frothy crown. 
As we sang Old Lang Syne and saluted the midnight moment with loud cheers, and I was forced to clamp hands with a particularly limp, waxen chap with unfeasibly long fingers, who had just emerged from the gents and who I knew perfectly well hadn't washed his hands, it dawned on me that I will not allow this to happen again next year. No. Next year will somehow, please God, somehow be different. I am determined to make it so. There are important issues I must address this year. I must be thinner. I must be in a better relationship with Dora and she must respect me more. I must tackle Peter's constant insistence that he is in some way channelling Oscar Wilde. It was an amusing family joke two years ago, but now I am finding it worrisome. I must be further along with my book and I must have a title for it. What would be a good title for a self-help book for parents of teenagers? Two possible ideas at the moment under consideration. One, whatever, with an exclamation mark. And two, teenagers, the manual. Mm. Think the exclamation mark on the first suggestion might preclude it from being a serious contender. Finally, I must give some serious thought to my 50th birthday in October can't decide whether to celebrate or hide in a deep cave. Not denial, exactly, but maybe I could just ignore it. My resolution is, by this time next year, I want to know what the hell I'm doing and how I feel about everything. I honestly have no sense of anchorage at the moment. I feel frumpy and unbeautiful and cross all the time. Could be the menopause, mind you. I think there's still a bit of southern comfort coursing through my veins from last night. And from the large glass of it I just drank ten minutes ago. Hair of the dog. Shame that there was actually some hair of our actual dog in the disgustingly dirty glass which Dora hadn't even bothered to wash out before she put it back on the shelf. Oh, and that reminds me, the other member of the family I must pay attention to this year is Pooh. Absolutely must get her spayed. This is the eighth year I've forgotten. I wonder if the vet would agree to do Dora at the same time. Happy New Year. Oh, NB. Must arrest gradual sclerosis of hope for future. Dora. Fact. Sam Tyler is a cock-headed gitshit, a twat wanker, a coward and a gay. I can't believe I actually went actually out with him. How embarrassing. On top of it all, he is so rank, like a total minger. Lottie always said he's like well below me and she's like so right. Why didn't I listen to her? I thought she was jealous. Of what? Of me going out with the biggest mong in Berkshire? I doubt it. What I really can't believe is that I was thinking of finishing with him anyway and he just like beat me to it. At one minute to midnight on New Year's Eve. In front of everyone. For max humiliation, no doubt. And he had his next girlfriend all lined up and ready, so he'd obviously been, like, planning it or something. And she's, like, the second biggest Mong in Berkshire after him. Good. Well, I hope they're happy together in Mong Town, where they can, like, live with all their Mong friends and family and have Mong babies who will grow up to be, like, more Mongish than them. 
Well, now at least I can admit how much his little twig legs always freak me out and how disgusting his teeth are, because he hasn't properly brushed them since he was two or something, and how his stubbly little moustache, which he so believes makes him look like Zac Efron, so doesn't. It looks like a girl's moustache, like his next girlfriend's moustache, which she got from her mother. And how useless he is at kissing! Like someone should tell him, hello, you can move your mouth around, you know, and not keep, like, completely still like a dead corpse or something. Anyway, it doesn't matter, except all his friends were laughing at me and calling me BB New Year. I didn't know what that was until Lottie told me it means best before New Year, like I am past my sell-by date, like a packet of ham or something. Thanks, Sam, you scrote. Can't believe I ever let him touch me. Thank God it didn't go too far. Although I bet he's, like, told his mates it did. Liar. It didn't. He doesn't even know how many holes a girl's got. He said eight. Good luck, new girlfriend. You lie back while he stupidly humps away at every hole but the right one and all the holes of every other girl he, like, sets his eyes on. Hole-shagging freak. I wish I hadn't cried, though. I wanted to not show any reaction, like, yeah, okay, whatever. But I think the tequila punch was, like, so strong that I went all, like, wobbly. And before I knew it, I was blubbing like a proper twat. Oh, God, everyone saw. I hate him. I so hate him. But, like, today I've woken up and, like, really miss him and his cute little face. And now I'm thinking, like, maybe I really loved him or something. Like, maybe he was, like, my soulmate or something. And now I've lost him. I, like, so loved him. And I still do. I still really love him. To the earth and beyond. Like we said. Oh, Sam. Oscar. Families are a frightful inconvenience, true. But nowadays we are too hasty to dismiss them. The Battle family. My family. Hmm... I am utterly convinced that if only a little glitter could be sprinkled on their blandness, they might yet spring up and dance the dance of life. This, at least, is my theory, where my ancient sixty-nine whole years, for goodness sake, grandmama is concerned. Nothing ages a woman so rapidly as a diet of relentless Jeremy Kyle and Emmerdale. Evidenced by Grandmama, who carries the horrific strains and scars of years of loyal service to both of these demanding mistresses. I offered her the benefit of my company this New Year's Eve, but informed her that as of midnight I should much like to insist that she refer to me as Master Oscar at all times, for that is whom I am, and I can't stress enough the importance of being Oscar. Thankfully, Grandmama acquiesced to this simple request. She's dreadfully dowdy, but a perfect saint. Her name is Pamela. I ask you, how was she ever supposed to make anything of herself with that ghastly moniker as her albatross? As a rule, I would never trust a woman who sports anything nylon. But in Grandmama's case, all is forgiven due to the incontrovertible fact that she is gleefully ignorant of the joys of fashion and utterly unencumbered by a shred of style. I therefore choose not to taunt or goad her. It would only be cruelty. And, poor wretch, she has no idea of the magnitude of her folly.
Bless her, she is famed in those parts of Pangbourne which are her closest environs, to be something of an expert when it comes to the preparation and serving of the finest of Bonoffi pies. And truly, in this respect, I am extremely fortunate. For Bonoffi pie, in all its creamy, banana-ish, toffee-ish glory, is quite easily one of my primary passions in life. To taste to savour, and to have culinary congress with it is my pure rapturous delight and gives me, frankly, a reason to live. What else is there? So, in pursuit of this pleasure, and at the set hour, I wended my way by means of two entirely separate and equitedious omnibus experiences to Grandmama's. I wore a high collar and one of Mater's faux fur hats against the biting wind, I fancied the ensemble was a might enchanting and suited me more than a little, and I detected not a few admiring comments en route. Once at Grandmama's domicile, I was horrified to realise that she had not reserved the evening exclusively for me, but had invited in, albeit briefly, her imbecile neighbour, the appalling Janice, a woman with the kind of face that once seen is rarely remembered. Never was there a creature more appropriately placed to be the poster girl for euthanasia. Why was Pamela born with such hideous contemporaries? I have no doubt that Janice was once the prettiest fool in England, but now she is nothing more than a dull, aged, sixty-two years, and ugly slattern, whose foremost crime is to assume she is always worthy of the post of centre of attention. She is blissfully unaware that this position requires the skill of being even the slightest bit amusing or interesting, if that's not requesting too much. I am accustomed to dullards. Lord knows I'm surrounded by them daily in my family. But the awful Janice takes the biscuit and the cheese and, by Jove, the crackers. It was the hour to suffer and suffer we did. News of her wearisome family in Wales, her bargains at the sales, and her monstrous bunions were amongst the ripest of the topics. I wished I were rather ravaged by wild dogs and torn apart and greedily gulped down than have to sit in her atrocious company, but mercifully she was soon bumbling off, muttering something about her neglected dog. This left Grandmama and I to our familiar New Year's traditional schedule of a hand of cribbage, followed by the notorious Bonoffi pie, in front of Jules Holland's Hootenanny, where we both agreed that Dizzy Rascal was, frankly, dazzling. A satisfying evening with much to recommend it. I look forward to a decade of scandalous delights, and I promise earnestly to remain forever Oscar. That was Dawn French reading from her book, A Tiny Bit Marvellous. You can find out more at thepenguinpodcast.blogs.com. Thanks for listening and have a happy new year.